Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. You are your greatest asset. It's time you started investing in that. Visit betterhelp.com slash milkshake and take care of you. Welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake, the show where we go deep, we get weird, and we search for the meaning of life along the way. Presented by Cast Media and Soul Pancake. Hi there, I'm Rain Wilson. And I'm Reza Aslan, and it's time for the sequel. Reza, Reza, Reza. The sequel is never as good as the original. This is never going to work. This time, I'm telling you, this... This is the Empire Strikes Back of podcasts. Mm, it's gonna right suck. now. Is it gonna be the Godfather Two of podcasts? It's gonna be the Godfather Two of podcasts. Okay, okay, okay. A superior movie. Okay, let's give it a try. Time for the second half of our conversation with Rob Bell. Cue music. So last week, listeners, as you know, we started a conversation with uh, Rob Bell, Christian minister, uh, professional heretic, author of <laughs> many, many books, including Love Wins, about what happens when we die. And uh, we just could not get enough of our conversation. Uh, it was interesting because it went a long time, and we kind of noticed that it fell into kind of two separate parts. One was about the kind of scientific mysticism of consciousness and souls and uh, floating above a bus over Riverside Drive. And the second half of the conversation got a little closer, tiptoed, danced a little closer to some, some Christian theology, a little bit more into heaven and hell. And it reminds me of the story. Uh, so growing up a young, nerdy Baha'i kid with an older, nerdy Baha'i dad, I remember when these Christians knocked on our door, and I, I don't remember what uh, literature they had, but they were from the more evangelical conservative side of things. And we would always invite those kind of Christians down to sit in our living room. And, and my dad says, you know, what do you guys believe about heaven? And they said, well, we believe that in the future, uh, out of the, the there'll be a rumbling, the sky's going to crack open, and a beautiful shining city made of gold and silver is going to float down, and all of the believers are going to be going up into this, into this city and the kingdom of heaven, and they're going to float away on the kingdom of heaven and Jesus will be there with a trumpet, et cetera, et cetera. Very specific. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, yeah, very, a lot of specifics. Uh, now, I know all Christians don't believe in this, but this particular group of people that came to our house did in the late 70s. And then I remember my dad said, well, we're Baha'is and we believe something similar. And they were like, oh, yeah? And we're like, yeah. The sky splits open. It cracks open. There's kind of a rumbling. But then out of the hole in the sky falls bricks and mortar and hammers and nails and planks. And then a piece of paper floats down and it says, kingdom of heaven, build it yourself kit. Ah. So I and that that didn't go over so well. But uh, <laughs> but I think that's a little bit more where Rob is headed uh, yeah. about creating our For own heaven sure. and creating our own hell. And so, dear listener, without further ado, part two of our conversation with Rob Bell. But I went to seminary and became a pastor at a church, et cetera. And in that world, there was a heaven and hell were spoken of as things that happen when you die. Uh, I began actually studying the Bible, and it's like, wait, Weird, the, yeah. the Jewish worldview. There is no heaven, there the, is no the hell. The Jewish, first off, like in the Hebrew scriptures, like what happens when you die? They had the Egyptians, which are like putting coins in people's eyes to get across. Like, what? Crazy. So it doesn't even say much. <laughs> The Bible as a Sheol. whole Sheol. says almost yeah, Sheol, place, the pit, yeah. mm -hmm. maybe a few references in Psalms. Otherwise, Moses is talking to Abraham, and we don't really know how that works. 
there's a fog machine somewhere. It's right. it's just so what happened to me is, oh, and then when Jesus, I did I distinctly remember the day I came across the the person who used the word hell the most was Jesus, and when he uses it, he uses the word Gehenna, which means the Valley of Hinnom. And the Valley of Hinnom was the actual, actual valley place, yeah. on the southern side of the city of Jerusalem, which was like the garbage this, dump. It's kind of like the San Fernando Valley, <laughs> right? <laughs> Only the south, not the north side. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that when Jesus talked about hell, he was talking about like the town dump where stuff got tossed mm-hmm. over the wall down and that there was a fire always going because you're burning the gum. So that's where the fire never goes out. You had wild dogs. Right. They were not domesticated fighting over scraps of food. We, mm-hmm. That would be the sound of gnashing of teeth. And that when Jesus was talking about heaven and hell, he was talking about very real conditions that you create here and now. We so when create- he was saying, so for a non-biblically literate person, I've read it, but I don't have that much uh, deep knowledge. When he was talking, referring to hell as Gehenna, he was kind of saying, do you want to live this life, a life of love and selflessness with me and following my path? Or do you want to go like live over in that shithole, which stinks? Yes. And, and, and then sucks. at another level, awakening people to their capacities to create these dimensions here and now. So when he's teaching his disciples to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. He's locating the nexus of our capacity and power here and now in the kind of world we're making and only speaks of heaven as a realm where things are as they should be. And then you as a human being are living your life in such a way as to make heaven and earth the same place. Mm. So So as opposed to escaping to go somewhere else, it was always about the creation of a new world right here and right now. So Rob is talking about... And that switch I've seen... When that switch happens for people, everything changes. So Rob is talking about a uh, a real textual and historical problem that uh, people who study um, the scriptures have, which is that if you, you know, accept the sort of division of the Bible into the Hebrew scriptures or what's derogatorily referred to as the Old Testament and the new and the Christian scriptures or the New Testament, there's a problem that occurs sort of in the middle of those two texts, because the Hebrew scriptures do not have a hell. There is no, there's no such thing as a place of eternal even, punishment. There isn't even really an afterlife, though, is Well, there? there is an afterlife, but it's not described as a heaven and hell dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're really, really good, you get to go and be in this place of paradise. And if you're really bad, you get punished and you go to this place of eternal damnation. That shit does not it's exist. It's basically like the camera goes, fu- like the camera just goes out of focus. Yeah. In fact, like, eh, the best, the best how I would definition it. of, of Shoal that I've ever heard is a place of shadows. Where yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. You become, it's this thing, but it's sh- the shadow version of that. And then the New Testament starts. And from the very start of the New Testament, from the, you know, Gospel of Mark, suddenly it's just assumed that there is a a paradise and damnation. Now, there's a, a lot of conversations about what the hell happened. Like, <laughs> what happened that caused this sudden shift? Some people say exile, which I'm sure you're familiar exile. with. Exile. Some people Some say pe- Iran. People say Iran was the problem. <laughs> like, the Persians showed up and 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 the, the saved the Jews. With the that. Zoroastrians, who have a very clear duality, a very mm-hmm. clear understanding of heaven and hell, of a good god and an evil god, of darkness and light, that there are two equal and opposing forces, that there is a god of good called Mazda and a god of evil called Ahriman. The Persians, of course, saved the Jews from exile. Uh, gave them, you know, the the treasure back, sent them back to their homeland to rebuild the temple. Cyrus is the the first and only non-Jew who's called Messiah, Cyrus the Great, uh, in in the Bible. And so some scholars, myself included, will say that, oh, these Jews were so affected by Zoroastrianism that they just accepted that cosmology and created heaven and hell and et cetera, et cetera. I think it's like, can I, can I throw something, throw something here? Uh, you also have, this is, uh, this is Rabbi Shlomo. He's a good man. He has seven sons and in the exile, they lined him up yeah. with his sons and then in front of him, gouged out his seven yeah. sons eyes, slaughtered him, then slaughtered him in front of his wife. Uh, he was a good man, did right. There's got to be some way right. this gets made back. right. Yeah. There's got, if this is just it, we're cosmically hosed. 
Whatever the um, answer is, so you, is you're it, absolutely right. There's it, a psychological as well as a political yes, dimension that's what I was that say. all shapes together it's a to construct. form. Yes, it's a exactly. Construct. Whether it's a historical or psychological or political, it's a construct. Because what we do know is that for most of human history, the afterlife was envisioned as just a version of this life. You know, maybe mm-hmm. a better version Happy of this life. Happy hunting grounds. Yeah, like if you were a slave in this life, you'd be a slave in the next life. If you are a warrior in this life, you'd be a warrior Whatever in the next life. Whatever frustrated desire you can't get met yeah, now, exactly. if you do the right thing later, yeah. go for it. And then suddenly there's now this split, right? The ultimate fork in the road. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Where some of us go one way, and some of us go the other way. And that's where we're landing now, right? So you got into some trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's you funny. are a heretic. Um, because just, completely you went to Christian you jail. This, you, you went to Christian jail. You, took, you saw this fork in the road. And what you said from not just a place of reason, because I think reason and, and logic had a lot to do with how you came up with this idea, but also from a place of just you know, theology and, and spirit said, wait, that left turn doesn't make any sense. It's very actually very destructive in the world right now. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about that, if just to kind of... Well, I noticed the people to... who talked the most about heaven and hell when you died didn't talk about hell on earth right now. And uh, even reading the Gospels, Jesus comes back again and again to this world and the kind of world we're making and our power and capability to actually shape things. How, what does he say God about is within you? The kingdom of God kingdom is of, here. Yeah. So what, so what quote, are there some quotes uh, around that? Um, well, first off, when he's teaching his disciples to pray, which is sort of the give us this day our daily bread, um, the idea your will be done on earth as it is in heaven was like wait. I mean, I remember I was like mid-20s, like wait a second. Uh, he's not teaching them how to get into heaven at some level, sort of sort of crude, but he's teaching them how to bring heaven here, even if that's spatially. Yeah. Like, oh, so he keeps speaking of these dominant systems, the Roman system, the religious system, subverting it with a new order, um, not based on those hierarchies. So... The tax collector is hated, is welcome to the table. Um, the leper who can't be touched is touched. Like whatever system's been put in place to push people to the edges, he always goes to the edges and brings them back to the center again and again and again and again. So it, it just turned everything upside down for me. This is about walking a path now. Uh, a friend of mine was in Jerusalem walking with a very, very uh, well-known rabbi and said to him, what do you think happens when we die? And the rabbi said, oh, that's not an important question. Hmm. And then just kept walking. Like, well, um, that is well, quintessential absolutely. Judaism right there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. So that rabbi would say, why am I good? Because I'm supposed to be good because there there is no reward for my goodness. I'm going to end up in the same place as somebody who's not good. Mm. I'm going to be a good Jew because that's what God demands of me. And I want to do what God demands of me, not because I think he'll give me a lollipop afterwards. Right. It's a better life now. Whereas at some level, every, Christians, uh, Baha'i, Muslims—you know—it's a completely different viewpoint. Like, no matter how enlightened you may be uh, or progressive you may be in your thought, fundamentally, there's a lollipop at the end of this. Yeah. Thing. Why am yeah. I good? Not because I'm just supposed to be good, because that's what it means to love God. I'm good because when I die, I don't want to burn in hell. I want, you know, that that like reward. It's all about reward and punishment. And what does that do to to the right, soul? Right, right, right. Well, I always said when, when it's like uh, because I had I wrote a book about this and people would say, well, then what's the point of being good? So hell then and heaven became and I'd always say I love my wife, Kristen. Um, I didn't marry Kristen and propose to her by saying, I don't want to be with Phyllis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's like, that's the highest thing. Yeah. Is I don't want to be with her. Yeah. So will so you? I guess it's you. Um, yeah. But I, I noticed how deeply in people's almost like cellular structure, you don't want to go there, do you? Mm-hmm. Which is which is such a complete neurological shift from, is there a, a joy here now that's possible? 
is there a life and a vitality and a is there a hum is there a sacred hum built into the thing that i could actually take part in that's a completely different set of questions i also noticed uh the roman caesar mints these coins caesar is lord um peace through victory and the roman empire from everything from england to india just flattens everything in its path and what's fascinating to me about the roman empire's military slogans is peace through victory which is yeah it's peaceful because everybody who is against you is dead right. yeah. so <laughs> very, as very i began peaceful. to see what this first century itinerant jewish rabbi is doing is there was this larger thing happening in the world which was this dominant military machine the world had never seen anything like this before and the slogans, um, one a huge slogan was Caesar is Lord. Mm -hmm. mm. And so Caesar would conquer a new land. And then Caesar would return to Rome and announce I've conquered a new land, which means I can tax some people to build a bigger. And then he would send out news of his new victory. And that was called a Evangelion, which means in Greek, a good news or a good, good word. News, yeah. that the word means it's where we get the word evangelical. So, so, so the word evangelical was a first news. century... <laughs> Roman military announcement of we've conquered another land. And the way that we do that is we go into that land, submit to us, we'll tax you, you'll be citizens and all the benefits. If you don't, we have this thing that we've perfected called an execution stake. <laughs> yeah. And like you have uh, Mary Magdalene's from Magdala. I want to say that 3,000 Jews were crucified at Magdala. I mean, you have a lot of historic evidence that they used crucifixion stick and they worked really well. Folks, Comatier is the most delicious coffee that's brewed better through science. That's right, science. It's frozen, pre-brewed coffee in pocket-sized recyclable capsules. And then you take them out of your freezer, you melt them, you add hot water to it, no equipment needed, and you are about a minute away from barista-quality coffee and lattes. And I am not joking here. My whole entire household is obsessed with Comatier. I've, I've gotten to the point where I have to literally hide these capsules from my wife. It is so easy. There is no muss. There's no fuss. There's no grinds. There's no machines that break and get clogged. You take out your frozen little capsule, you add hot water. That's it. We have got a special offer just for our listeners. So it's a very limited time, but you can get 20 bucks off your first order. That's about 10 free cups. And of course, shipping is always free, but only when you visit cometeer.com slash milkshake20. That's C-O-M-E-T-E-E-R, cometeer slash milkshake20. You know, I was a little skeptical about cometeer at first. I mean, it's brewed coffee. You melt to make that kind of defies reason, but it's truly one of the best, if not the best tasting cups of coffee I've ever had. And if you like coffee at all, this is a taste to believe product. That's comatier.com slash milkshake20 to save $20 on your first order. A new day has arrived on earth for coffee. That's comatier.com slash milkshake20. Do you identify as crypto curious? If you've thought about entering the world of cryptocurrency but felt a little overwhelmed, Coinbase makes learning to buy and sell simple. Look, I know how you feel, all right? Cryptocurrency is like this weird, like secret exclusive club, but Coinbase believes that everyone everywhere should be able to get into the door. Whether you've been trading for years like Rain or you're just getting started like me, Coinbase can help. Coinbase makes it quick and easy to start your own portfolio and learn how to grade like a pro. If you've been looking to level up your financial portfolio, it's always good to diversify, right? Backed by the world's leading investors, Coinbase keeps your portfolio safe and secure while adding crypto into your mix. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy to use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market and they make them accessible to everyone. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com slash milkshake. Sign up at coinbase.com slash milkshake for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash milkshake. So you have Jesus is Lord and the good news as a kind of a, a revolutionary Subversive. act, this goes with your this rage with, against the machine. With this Zealot, is like with your book is like this. Yeah. this kind of subversive. That's a truly revolutionary act to kind oh, yeah. of say. Um, and the, wait a minute, this this humble day laborer from the north of Palestine is Lord, 
And this is the so, real good news. And it must have just blown some gas. So you can see why people like Rez and I, who have sort of read some of this, the idea in, in present modern culture that Christian is aligned with American political right empire is insanity. It's absolute insanity. I, I literally had periods where I was like, because I started a church and I got really big. Da, da, da. Do I just leave this thing? Because I am reading these texts, talking these ideas. So then the Jesus question becomes, who is Lord, Jesus or Caesar? In some ways, the New Testament, that's the question these first Jesus people are asking the world. How do you make a better world? Do you make a better world through coercive military violence? You bomb us, we bomb you, drone strikes. Or is the world made better through sacrificial love? So the Eucharist, the communion table, began... We have this table. Caesar throws out bread, but we have a table where we have this meal. We go around, make sure everybody's rent is paid. Um, who's making a better world? Mm. How is the world made better? Which to me is, it's still the question, yeah. um, which is why the current state. And so for me as a, as a pastor in a whatever Christian church, it was like, I either, I just walk away from this all the way, or I double down on this thing is so off the rails. It's so far from its origins. It has so bastardized its roots. So we know um, what happened to you when, when you started preaching this new idea of the gospel. My question touches on the responses that you got, this sort of visceral responses of fear, like, well, then why? Why shouldn't I cheat on my wife? What? Right, right, right. Okay, but more importantly, the flip side of that, which is so so much a part of your your message and why I would say that you've become, you know, even bigger and and I think more people have, have gravitated towards you than when you were in that admittedly very large church, um, is that suddenly when that axe isn't above your head any longer. Yes. The response isn't uh, freedom from morality, as as I think that a lot of people uh, thought. Ah, that right, it would be. right, right, right. The response is instead actual freedom. Is it not? Like, yeah, right, tell right. Tell us what happens. Right, right, what right. happens to a Christian when heaven and hell are no longer on the table in the sort of traditional dichotomous yeah. way? What well, happens? first I would point out that what I kept experiencing is this is in the water stream of Western culture. Mm. So even the idea of who's a Christian or uh, Christians or not, um, some of these ideas I, are, are actually at this point cultural. They're just in, in the system. So the person who I never go to church, I don't believe any of that, would be like, whew. Even I'd notice people go like, I never go to church. Man, if I go to church, like uh, the lightning bolts would come or the roof would cave. And I'm like, oh, this is not a religious thing. This is a, a human yeah, right. thing at some level. Secondly, what I found fascinating is how many people would say to me, I now understand my um, suicidal thoughts. What do you mean? It's shocking how many people would say, I was given a view that billions of people are going to burn forever in hell. There's a fork and some people go to heaven and some people go to hell. They were handed the church, the culture, et cetera. And then you give that person, let's say, just one traumatic event. I, I began to see how many people these ideas had shaped their view of the universe. These weren't religious views. These were what kind of universe are we living in? Are we living in a universe where if you don't say the right prayer, believe the right thing, join the right church, you could burn in hell forever? That's a cosmological statement. And I noticed how many people, when I would begin to lay out where these ideas of heaven and hell and where some of this got all turned around would go, oh, that's why something within me wonders whether it's even worth it. Is it wasn't just should I be good or not or not cheat on my wife. It went all the way back to what is the point of this thing if I might die and find out that I didn't say the right prayer at the right time. But how does that sync up with this Christian view that you can be a shitty person your whole life, but if at the end of your life or on your deathbed or something like that, you're baptized or you repent or, right, you say, right, right, right. or you say, please forgive me, Jesus. It's like lollipop. It's just dispensing me. lollipops early. It just becomes so random then and arbitrary. you can do whatever the fuck you right. want. But it's, it's also right. the core, the whole point of salvation, isn't it? Like right, how right, do you right. have Christianity without that? Because you immediately have the person, what's the point of being good? Okay, now we're into a whole mm -hmm. different world. So like you said, it makes you sort of, your brain hurts because you're like, 
Okay, we got to go way, way, way. This question presents itself like it's way far down the road. We got to go way, way earlier mm -hmm. in the road to what do you think we're doing here? Mm -hmm. What has been your experience of life? Has being generous been that horrible <laughs> that you that you have questions about? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what I also noticed when we brought it to this moment is that it put people, well, what happens when I die? What happens? How does everything get sorted out? Well, how about trust that if you experience a goodness now, it all gets sorted out? Um, and that's, I, I isn't, find, isn't that faith too? Yeah, you, And so, faith greater than a Christian you faith. Are, a faith that there is a, yes, a goodness in yes. the creative juice of the universe and that there's a plan uh, of vision and uh, I actually a resolution. This is a seismic shift from fear management to faith. And I actually think it involves limbic, like early reptile brain. You think about early brain development is threat assessment. Mm -hmm. um, and and if you can convince people there's a threat, you can get them to vote for you. You can, it's pre, it's a pre-rational. And when I, and uh, it's actually studying neurology, like, oh, when there is an existential threat of you might die and get judged forever. Well, of course, a bunch of other discussions aren't possible. Mm. That is major threat management. But if we can move beyond that to nothing can separate you from the love of God, if we can move to faith, trust, uh, a generative goodness at the heart of the universe, okay. we're actually moving you to a different part of your brain that can then yes. put itself in someone else's shoes. It can uh, it, hope, imagination, a, a lot of good art comes from there. But how do you how do you marry the the wonderful metaphysical science that you've been quoting? Yeah. And your Christian belief when it comes to the next world. And so if there's a new vision of of heaven and the afterlife, how, how do you marry those two things? They all sit side by side. First century Jewish people were working with the images and metaphors they had. So uh, at that time. Like when uh, this first writer, Paul, writes, writes a big chunk of the New Testament, speaks of a reconciliation of all things. Jesus talked about a renewal. Uh, the Apostle Peter talks about a restoration. Renewal, restoration, reconciliation. Uh, and they my experience, our words, didn't they? <laughs> I, they loved our words. All I knew is those visions were like, well, if everybody had that anticipation and organized their lives around that right now, that's a pretty great vision. I don't know how that works out. Um, and immediately, good God, the number of radio shows. Well, what about Hitler? You know what I mean? The people <laughs> Hitler, go to this and Hitler what about Pol Pot? just fucks everything up, doesn't yeah. it? Um, so so uh, that's why I sort of, uh, uh, I'm not hesitant, but I just, and everybody's going to get along in the end. Um, mm -hmm. Right now in the world that we're in, a sort of kumbaya, all the parts and holes all get together. It's like, whew, yeah, but let me, uh, let me be a little tough on you here, Rob, because you're dodging this question. No, I'm getting to it. I'm just trying to do all the proper disclaimers so that <laughs> okay. I don't just you say— You don't get in trouble? You don't get excommunicated again? Oh, that's already happened. Um, so that I don't—so you don't say what happens in the end, and I say everybody ends up on planet Earth in their bodies at the proper weight eating organic food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, you could just charge into that, and yeah. be, people would be like, really? Yeah. That's what you think? That's why I also tried to do, like, a— I tried to step outside it and go, now in sort of historic Christian theology, they would speak of a new heaven or new earth, it's like a vision of a new place. I'm trying to move in around all these no, so that good. the dodge at least has some purpose yeah. okay. to it. I also go to, what's a vision of life that you could orient yourself around right now that would fill you with some sense of faith and hope and resilience, might even be contagious, and this uh, reconciliation, restoration, and renewal I could use that in my own self. We could use that. Uh, I think we all use that. So how does Jesus do that? How does God fit into that? When I was a kid, my parents would take us to church. So I would hear the Jesus stories. And there's something about the stories at a young age that invited me to trust. There's more going on here. We're going to be okay. Um, it did something to me at some heart cellular level. These stories imprinted on me a grace 
you're kind of jacked up, but you're, it's also good that you're here. So you're talking about the story behind the story. Yeah. The story behind the Something happened stories. to me in an early age. It's, it's good to be human. It's good to be human. And I, I'm fascinated with how many people it's good to be human is a new concept. Sometimes disruptive. Sometimes it's like oxygen and they realize they've been choking, suffocating. You know, it, it's good that we're here. It's good that we're human. How does it all? I mean, you have endless metaphors for what happens to our, the ways that we've hurt each other, the ways that we've made a mess of things. Sins is the big word. Um, I just, something imprinted on me. You're okay. Grace. Grace. You're okay. So follow this path. So I love that. Uh, that's why I dodge with something really complicated and then something childlike and simple is some days I need that and some days I need the other. Today's program is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition really, really simple. With so many stressors in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and give our bodies the nutrients it needs to thrive. There's busy schedules. We don't get enough sleep. We don't get enough exercise. The environment, work stress, I don't know, COVID maybe, not eating enough of the right foods. All of these things can leave us deficient in key nutritional areas. I love AG1 by Athletic Greens, truly do. I have been using it since they sent me the sample and I love it. One tasty scoop of AG1 contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. The special blend of high-quality bioavailable ingredients in a scoop of AG1 work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet. It helps support energy and focus. It aids you with your gut health and digestion, and it supports a healthy immune system. Join the movement of athletes, life leads, that's me, moms, dads, rookies, first-timers, and, well, everyone in between, taking ownership of their daily health and focusing on the nutritional products they really need in the simplest manner possible. That's essentialist nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is gonna give you an immune supporting free one year supply of vitamin D. I have mine right here. And five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com milkshake today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com milkshake to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. Have you looked in the mirror recently? I mean, like really looked in the mirror. That beard you grew out over the last year, you know, it was a hot new thing for you, a little like pandemic experiment. And now it's just hot outside and you're going out into the world and it's time to tame that bad boy. You know what I'm saying, Rain? Harry's Crafts high quality, long lasting blades and durable weighted handles and make a close, comfortable shave quick and, dare we say, a little bit enjoyable? Yes, we dare say it. And because Harry's insists that you shouldn't have to choose between a great shave and a fair price, they just give you both. Refill blades start as low as two bucks. Easy decision. You know what's even easier? New Harry's customers get their starter set, which includes a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and a travel cover, all of it, it's a $13 value for three bucks. I have been using Harry's razors for years. Yes, I know I have a beard right now, folks, but I got to shave my neck occasionally and the little stray hairs on my cheek. I love the weighted handle of Harry's. The blades are really sharp. It's very, very convenient. I highly recommend it. There's never been a better time to try Harry's. So, Go to harrys.com slash milkshake to get their starter set for just three bucks. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. You got nothing to lose. Go to harrys.com slash milkshake right now and you can get the special offer. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S, harrys.com slash milkshake. So, Whatever it is, you have no idea, but it involves some kind of meeting with the divine and some kind of 
grace or salvation, not just for you, but ultimately for everyone yeah. on the other side of that bus. And you know what Am I love? Am I reading that right? And and, and I, I, I do would like it. that. I do like also uh, the the preservation of human will every step of the way. You don't want to forgive this person who has wronged you. You don't want to participate. You don't. Okay. Yeah, and what I love too is okay. what we've done in this conversation okay. is that we began with that body getting hit with the bus, and then we're ending back with the body. It's this conversation about the afterlife, heaven, hell, what happens. I love that Rob took us from that sort of world of the spirit back to the material. That it's about it's about this. It's about the new earth. It's about who we are. The heaven and hell is right here. Like Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here. It's now. It's within you. It's not a thing that will come after we all die. It's now. It's here. Yeah. I love that. To me, and this goes way back to when I was a kid, whatever's ultimate, it has to be material. Uh, that got like somehow imprinted on me. The mystery is born in bodies. So like floating above the bus and all that. To me, it, there's something about the body that's integral to the whole thing. And so many people, the word spiritual means leave other than, you know what I mean? It's It denigrates the material. So many expressions of spiritual get woo-woo, they get squishy, they get uh, floating six inches above the earth. You're going to die. It's evacuation theology. When you die, you leave this place. It's all going to burn. Um, but to me, if it's ultimate, then it is embodied. I mean, music, sex, food, surfing, like all the juice, which is why what happens but then... But couldn't we, there be... Uh, other realms, to me, other dimensions. That's poppycock. Because it's <laughs> like you ask the baby... Let's go back to this metaphor. You go back to the baby in the womb. You, we're going to go to a place where there's... Martin Scorsese movies and the smell of lavender yes, yes. and there's tacos yes. and the baby's going to be like, no, what, why do I need all that conjecture? I'm fine right here. I've got squishy juice and I'm in a womb and I can hear the boom of music outside. I'm just fine. Like we, we can't comprehend that. And there may be an entire other way of being that I'm not saying it's anti-body or anti-material, right, right, right. but it's some other blossoming into a into some new space where s there is some version of surfing that's way better. Look at the version of music yes. a baby has in the womb yes. compared to a ver version of music we have when we're at a Radiohead concert. Right, right. That's why my hands are up in the air because the baby only has the baby's experience in speculating and trying to imagine. That's just what I mean by the material sure. is. Whatever this is, and whatever's after it, it will, if it's better, if it's more, if it's more expansive, the baby can only talk about it in these terms. It only has baby terms, squishy, right. mushy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Rob, this has been amazing. <laughs> we need to let you go. One quick thing we do when we end every interview is a lightning round of life's big questions, okay? <gasps> lightning okay. round. When do you, Rob Bell, feel most connected with the universe? On a wave or eating tacos with my family? Describe your soul in 10 words or less. Insatiably curious and laughing while limping. Not bad. What is your biggest fear? That I missed my opportunity. What's one and I don't even know what that means. I just know that that's the weird language that comes up. What's one thing that you hate? Being disrespected. Me too. I fucking hate that. I throw myself into this with everything I have. Yeah. Like you. Like, this has been a long road of this is where the joy is, giving it everything I got. And, yeah. <laughs> This is not turning into a so, lightning round. This, no, I this love is that. gonna this is gonna turn into uh, this next question. This segues perfectly into what do you think is the purpose of your life? To be free from the need for a purpose. What's one thing that you know for sure 
that tomorrow does not have to be a repeat of today. When was the last time you ugly cried? Mm, within two weeks. Can you oh, tell us about that. Any deets? Uh, grief over an unresolved situation that's now a decade in the works, and there's nothing right now that I know of to do, so it just sits there unresolved. It's like the person who's not at the party, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then you question that belief. Maybe there is something I can do, and you just keep coming back to, I just have to sit with this unresolved, and my heart can barely take it. Yeah. And then finally, what is your life's big question? Is this all part of it? Like, the pain, the Trump, the environmental degradation, is, is this all part of some larger integration? That Because I know from my life, the stuff I look back on that was a mess, I'm like, where would I be without that? Mm. So I know at a deep personal level, if I ask you, give me the four or five moments that most affected who you are, shaped you, formed you, you would not tell me, like, I went to... Gulf Coast, the weather was pretty nice. You know what I mean? I got a new pickup truck. No, no, you'd tell me about loss, pain, suffering. You got fired. You didn't get that. You didn't get that. So I know at a deeply intimate personal level, when I look back on the things, but I don't want to use the word grateful, but that is the word. It's counterintuitive. So then is this whole thing that on a mega scale? And I can't even fathom that. And yet, that's what it looks like. We're in a three-dimensional, soul-growing laboratory. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is all this get integrated? Because there's too much that I don't know how that could ever be integrated, but I didn't know how it could happen in my life. So it always makes for a better story. You're at a dinner party. There's some guy at the table who's like, I was pretty good when I was young. Then I tried some new stuff. I was really good at that. Then I branched out. I was awesome at that. Get that guy. I don't want to have dinner. But there's a lady who's like, I walked uphill both ways in the snow with bare feet. And I didn't. We're like, okay, Carol here. Yeah. But forget Wayne over there, that guy. <laughs> so I just know how it works at like a dinner party. Um, you get knocked around and that's where you find the grace and the love and... That's how. That's what makes the story good. You brought a lot of grace to this conversation, yeah. and I, was, I loved it. I, I had a blast. Rob Bell, thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Two episodes on what happens when this is all over. Amazing. What an incredible conversation. Uh, I love the way that he has really revolutionized how one thinks about Christianity as a, for lack of a better word, as a theology, as a, as a philosophy, as a, as a, as a way of life, as a life system. Yeah. And he's unapologetic about it. Like he's, you know, he's not going to beat around the bush. He is a devout believer. And the arguments that he makes about heaven and hell are, in his view, scripturally sound. And, you know, damn the consequences, uh, if you would. I love this thing he kept saying about how, in speaking to many Christians, the ones who were speaking the most about heaven and hell seemed the least uh, affected by the hell on earth or the suffering of people yeah. on earth. Yeah. What an interesting dichotomy. I'd never really thought about that before. I mean, we're, we're kind of seeing that in the American political system right now. The bottom line is this, and I think he said it perfectly. This is all conjecture. Like, what are we even sure. talking about? Yeah. None of us knows what the hell we are talking about, but it's fun. Maybe the atheists are right. We keel over, lights out, that's it, that's end of it. story. Very well. Either way, the story that we have here on this planet is pretty darn clear, whether you're a person of faith or not, and that is to uh, alleviate as much suffering as we can. Mm-hmm. Focus on this world, not the next one. I love the three R's he referenced to reconciliation, restoration, and renewal mm -hmm. from the three kind of central philosophers of the Christian faith that, uh, that felt really practical yeah. in a way as well. And look, in the end, the answer is we don't know. And maybe the mystery is more important. Maybe the, the question is more important. So, dear listeners... Tell us, what do you think happens when we die? Are you a, a religious believer? Do you believe in heaven and hell? What does heaven and hell even look like? If you're uh, a Christian, you? we'd love to hear from you, too. Like, uh, do you think Rob has it wrong? Yeah. Do you think uh, his philosophy needs to be tweaked a little bit? I mean, we didn't get into the, into the nitty-gritty of everything he believed, but uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. 
Ladies and gentlemen, and people of all gender persuasions and identities, welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake's bonus conversation. As you know, sometimes we love to bring fans on the show. Uh, you can write us on social media. You can leave a positive, I hope, Apple podcast review with your life's big question. And we'd love to bring you on the show. And that is what we're doing right now with Mr. Aaron Corney, who uh, has apparently a life's big question. And we would love to hear from you, Aaron. Welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, you know, I think a lot about what we all do with our time during the day. And I'm often like, hmm, would I be more productive if I had more time? And I don't know if I would or not, but I kind of struggle a lot with like, what would we all do if we had eternal life? What would you guys do? What should I do? Let's let's pretend for a moment we could. Holy shit, I think about this all the time. Here's the context under which I think about this, as I think about it in a, a mostly like Christian view of heaven, mm. which is like, it's eternal. It's only good. There's clouds, there's harps, there's fun diversions and you live forever there. That's always as a child, it sounded like torture. <laughs> it's just like, Oh God, I don't want to have to experience that. Like I hate harp music. You master the harp and then you master the bassoon and the, and the oboe and the double bass and then the, I and mean, then the uh, accordion. So to me, like eternal life seems like a kind of torture which is why I think the only answer to an afterlife, let's suppose there is, we're not just kind of meat suits and we die and our consciousness switches off like a light switch, but we progress into another plane of, of being that we have to move into timelessness where time is not this kind of uh, constraint on us that this plane is beyond time and space because other, any other answer is like, it, 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 it's horrible. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't live forever. I would, I, I mean, I, I don't know what I'd even thinking about it right now. Like I'm getting high blood pressure. You really think about this in spiritual terms. I think about it fully in material terms. I like, I always think about like, you know, like living forever on this earth. Like vampire Lestat or something like, like that? vampire <laughs> Lestat uh, and just as sexy. And what's funny is I, my sort of primary motivation for it is uh, curiosity. Like, I just want to know what happens next. You know, I just like, I want to know what happens next. Uh, you know, it's, it's like the same reason why I can't go to sleep at night because I'm like, one more episode, one more episode, one more mm. episode. Uh, you know, it's like, it's midnight. It's time to go to sleep. Okay, but just one more episode and then I'm going to sleep. Like, I, I can't help but think about life in that way where I'm like, one more episode. I wanna, until we have flying cars, okay? Let's just... I want to I want to experience it. I want to feel it. This was a, a very strong impulse in my younger years. And I'd like to say that, you know, with old age, I have matured somewhat, Rain. Wow. I now understand the value, you know, of the time that we have on this earth. And I and I want to use, you know, the time that I have in the best way. And and of course, with my family, you know, could you that's the that's the thing they always say about like the immortality, like the curse of immortality, like can you see your your family members grow old and die while you remain young and incredibly handsome forever? And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, maybe. I, no, no. You would do that? No, just, no. How dare you suggest that I would do that, Rain? Aaron, what? How does this uh, question keep you up at night? What 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 provoked this? You know the the uh, the idea of like, you know. If you had immortality, nothing but time, it seems like boredom and depression are the two biggest villains you have to you have to grapple with. Mm, so I would mm. think about that, right? You know, at some point you run out of things to do. So, you know, uh, you, you spend time with your close ones. And then when they're gone, what do you do with that? You don't want to get depressed. You don't want to get bored. So, like, what is there to expand on? So you got to find projects. You got to, like, think about, like, science and, like, how can you help with long-term scientific research? But I actually was thinking about this before uh, getting to talk to you guys right now. And I actually think I would focus a lot on, like, I know it's altruistic, so we have to see in practice if I get to do this. Um, but getting to teach life lessons, because I think we see the biggest problems happening of people who don't want to 
uh, read history as much and studying as much, but there's always some spokesperson. So I think I'd become some kind of shamanic guru who people would listen to, and I would try and use that for good to teach lessons hmm. uh, and and take uh, you know use the takeaways and you know I don't know. I volunteer you to get your neck bitten and become Vampire Lestat <laughs> slash Aaron Corny. Well, that was the last thing on my bucket list for this year is to have you tell me that. So thank you. Aaron, thank you so much for uh, coming on Metaphysical Milkshake. We, I love the fact that we, we took care of one of your bucket lists. This is, uh, this is what we yeah. do here. I appreciate it. You know, I, I take it all back. If I had all of eternity, I'd spend it on this call with you guys. Aww, but, <laughs> that's sweet. What about a podcast that lasted forever that that's called the joe rogan experience <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much Aaron. Guys. good night everybody good night everyone thanks aaron so find us on social uh it's our personal hell but we're happy to go there for you <laughs> at reza aslan find us in the hell of social media <laughs> that's right at reza aslan and at rain wilson we are on twitter at meta milk podcast subscribe to metaphysical milkshake we love you all until next week, love wins. Thank you to our guest, Rob Bell. And hey, by the way, check out his podcast, The Robcast. Good idea. Metaphysical Milkshake is executive produced by Rain Wilson, Reza Aslan, and Colin Thompson. It's produced by Safa Samizadeh Yazd, Harris Lane, Mick DeMaria, Hashem Self, and DJ Lubel. Cast Media is the production and distribution partner. It is edited by Tyler Newbold and audio mixed by Justin Kyle. Original music is composed by Jeff Tang. It was produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of the Mashup Americans. Associate producers are Jocelyn Gonzalez, Lindsay Cradowell, Sarah Pellegrini, Mary Phillips Sandy, and Shelby Sandlin. Rob Bell, my favorite episode. This has been my favorite episode. I wouldn't well, go that far. <laughs> it's, in, it's in my top 15 <laughs> of all of all your episodes. Of all 15 of our episodes. <laughs> this has been this my is favorite. definitely top 15. <laughs>